I want you to turn in your Bible today to the second book of Kings. It's, it's Kings, 2 Kings chapter, chapter 4. And as you're turning there, a few weeks ago, Gina uh, asked me to stir the pot. She had to run upstairs. She was, she was uh, doing some things, and she said, Ron, I need you to stand here. We're cooking, and I need you to stir the pot. And, you know, you got to stir the pot because sometimes if you don't stir the pot, like things settle out, and then they don't cook right, and then it doesn't taste, taste very good. And, and so stirring the pot is a good thing, amen? Like sometimes you got to, you got to stir the pot. And I was thinking about this passage this week, and I thought, man, we need, we need the pot stirred. We need God to stir our pot. Our pot needs to be stirred. Sometimes we equate the term stir the pot with negative, with bad things, but, but oftentimes stirring the pot can be good. You know, a few years ago, I hired a personal trainer to get me in shape, and guess what? He stirred the pot. I've never been so sore in my entire life. Um, some good things happened, but uh, he stirred the pot. I had a leadership coach that I've worked with, and uh, he stirred my pot, challenged me. Stirring the pot is, is really a great thing. And the passage we're going to see today deals with the stirring of the pot. 2 Kings chapter 4 is truly, uh, this passage is one of the weirdest passages in the Old Testament. I can promise you, you probably have never heard a sermon on this before because it's so unusual. But I want you to see it today because I think God wants to say some things to us. And everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Um, God put it there. And uh, one of the weirdest passages, and sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, all right, how did that make it in? But God always has a purpose. God always has a reason. And one of the questions I would love for you guys to ask yourself as you're reading the Bible is ask yourself the question, what does this teach me about Jesus and my need for Christ? And if you have that question and you have a Christological perspective, the Bible will make a lot of sense. Some folks think that there's like the Old Testament and then there's the New Testament and they're two different books. But in reality, when you read the Bible, you see that old and new come together. And I think that's extremely true in 2 Kings chapter 4. We've been looking at this man, Elisha. Elisha is the greatest uh, miracle worker in the Old Testament. He's an amazing man of God. And he performs a, 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 a great miracle here in 2 Kings 4 that I want us to see, but it points us to our need for Christ and it's going to stir our pot. So here's the first statement and I want you to write this down. If you have the notes and, and whatnot, you can write this down. I am starving. <clears throat> Jesus is my bread. Okay. And that'll make sense as we read it. Second Kings 438. Then uh, when Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him and his attendant uh, put on the large pot and make stew for the sons of the prophet, is what he said. And, and so there's a famine in the land. Did you see that in verse 38? There's a famine in the land, and uh, there was a spiritual famine and a physical famine. The physical famine happened because people were worshiping idols. And oftentimes in, in the Old Testament, when you see a physical famine, it's because people have wandered from the Lord. People are doing their own thing. And so there's a spiritual famine, there's a physical famine, people can't eat. And Elisha has come back to Gilgal. Gilgal is the home base. This is where this is Elisha's home. 
And Elisha has a thing called the, the sons of the prophets. These were like the young guns. They were the interns. They were the young men that he was training in the ministry. They were his understudies. He had like a Bible college or what we might call a seminary or something like that. And he's training these young guys to be preachers and to be prophets and all this. And so he comes back um, home to Gilgal and there's a famine. And the first thing he says is we got to feed people. We got to feed everybody. Um, and it reminds us that I am starving. Okay. Now you may be wondering, well, pastor, where does that come from? Um, <clears throat> God has created every one of us with a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst to know God. And if we try to fill that, that hunger and thirst with anything but the power and the presence of the living God, we will always be empty. We will always be hungry. And many people go through their entire lives starving on the inside. Because a lot of times we don't know what to call it. We don't know what it is. We feel it, but we don't know how to fill it. And so people try to take a spiritual hunger and try to fill it with a physical thing. Like if I could just make enough money, I would, I would quench that thirst. Or I would get rid of that hunger pain if, if I could just have this kind of body, you know. Man, if I had six-pack abs and I just, you know, and I was just had this incredible look, you know. And I, I just was, you know, so beautiful and so handsome and so whatever. And, or, or if people thought of me this way or if I got this degree... And so we go through our whole lives trying to fill up spiritual hunger and thirst with physical things. And what we find out is we're still starving. We're still hungry. And the frustration that so many people have today is, is, is related to trying to, to take the place of God by filling our lives with physical things. Man, there is nothing like the Lord. And, and, and God want, doesn't want us to be hungry. He wants us to be full. That's why we got to eat the bread of life. Now, in the Gospels, Jesus is the bread of life, John chapter 6. And, and when we feast on the bread of life, we have spiritual sustenance. I mean, we, we have satisfaction, right? We're full. It's kind of like a few, a, a few weeks ago, Seasons 52 opened up, that great restaurant over at the, at the mall. And that's one of my favorite places to eat. And Gina and I went out to eat for the first time in a long time. And we sat in the restaurant and I ordered some salmon and it tasted so amazing. And I left there so satisfied because I had not eaten a meal like that in a really long time. Spiritually speaking, Jesus satisfies at a level that nothing else can. There is no one like Jesus. And that's why Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Why is he the bread of life? Well, bread was the most basic, the most, the most consistent aspect of the diet of the people in the ancient world. People didn't eat meat that often. They didn't have the money. You know, we eat meat all the time. We don't think about it. Many people in the ancient world ate meat like once a week. And, 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 and so, but people did eat bread. So bread is the foundation. Bread is, bread is the, the, the part of the diet that, that, that's kind of normal. We eat a lot of bread, don't we? We eat biscuits in the morning. We eat, we eat 
sandwiches at lunch. We eat dinner rolls in the evening. We eat burgers, you know, with, with big juicy buns. And I know some of you are gluten-free, you know, but, but bread is awesome. I mean, we love bread is still a big part of our diet. It's a foundation. Jesus is saying, I'm the foundation. I'm the sustenance. I'm what you really need. He doesn't say he's the sushi of life. Um, if this would have been written to our family, um, Jesus would have said, I'm the Chick-fil-A of life, okay? You know, because we spend a lot of time over there. Jesus is the bread of life. Why is he the bread of life? Because he fills us and he provides sustenance for us in a way that no one else and no thing else can. We're hungry. We're hungry. And the heart of people is to be filled. Now, in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the Old Testament prophet said, Look, these days are coming. This is the declaration of the Lord God when I will send a famine throughout the land, not a famine of bread or thirst or, uh, for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I think that's a beautiful picture of our culture. We, we, we have a spiritual famine. We don't have enough of the word of God in our culture and in our lives. We wonder, why am I so hungry? Why, why, why am I starving so much? Um, a, lot of, a lot of our spiritual diet is built on fad stuff. Um, there's a lot of fad, fad diets that are out there. Um, I, I love to study this. I think this is funny. I read this week about the vision diet. Have you guys heard of this, the vision diet? You wear these blue sunglasses, and the premise of the diet is that you eat a lot of food because it looks good. So if you put on these shades, it doesn't look as good and you won't eat as much. <laughs> How about that? Some of you have tried some fad diets, okay? Amen? Uh, who's tried a fad diet before? Maybe you haven't tried the vision diet, anybody? Everybody's like, I'm not admitting it. That Oh, at the early service, people were like, oh, yeah, I've signed up for all of those things. You know, you saw the video and all that um, in, in, about a hundred years ago, there was a tapeworm diet. They were selling pills that supposedly had tapeworms in them, and they would eat. Um, people believed that, that they would eat, um, you know, in your stomach, and um, they would help you get skinny, you know. And people were taking these pills like crazy. Um, I'm not recommending this. The chewing diet was another big one um, in the early uh, 20th century where you chewed the food up and you suck the nutrients out, but then you spit out the rest of the, you spit everything out before you swallowed it. And people thought, I'll lose weight. I'm going to feel great. Uh, in Hollywood, there's a, there's a diet that came out about 10 years ago where you get stung by bees and it causes some reaction in your body and you get skinny. It's amazing, you know. Um, um, people are willing to do crazy things, aren't they, with, with the diet. I also read about the cotton ball diet where you eat cotton balls before, you, before dinner and it you know, takes up room in your stomach and that way you don't eat as much. I mean, come on, guys, let's use some common sense, you know, and, and uh, I'm not sure how that all shakes out, but it's amazing how people will go on fad diets and then you don't hear about them. Like it was all the rage and then you don't hear about them anymore. Did you know spiritually that people get on fad diets? A few years ago, that book, The Secret, came out. People were going secret crazy. The Secret, The Secret, Leather-Bound Edition. The Secret, Hardback Edition. Pastor Ron, have you heard about The Secret? And The Secret basically taught, it's just New Age um, philosophy, re, you know, re, recalibrated a bit, but 
kind of new age. If you, whatever you believe will happen in your life. If you, if you sincerely want to be wealthy, you will be wealthy. If you sincerely want to marry a, um, a model, you know, you just get up and you tell yourself that morning, every morning you're going to do this and it'll start to happen in your life. And so I was getting calls from people that were really frustrated. I read the secret and I sincerely wanted this to happen in my life and it didn't happen. It, it was a fad diet. It sounded great. It looked cool. It didn't satisfy. It didn't deliver. And then now I don't hear anything about the secret. You know the diet that's still around? It's the bread of life. It's Jesus. People have been worshiping Jesus for 2,000 years because he always satisfies. He always delivers. He's not just a fad. He's not just, you know, some hot idea. He's the, he's the son of God. There is no one like him. And in a famine, we need sustenance. We need the Lord. We, we built our spiritual diet on junk food. Uh, donuts. They say a Krispy Kreme donut. One Krispy Kreme, 200 calories. How about that? Man, is your spiritual diet like Krispy Kreme? Or fried chicken? I think fried chicken may be worse. 400 calories on one fried chicken breast and 22 grams of fat. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? We got to come back and we got to suck on the bread of life. That's what we need. We need the bread of life to be spiritually healthy. How can you be healthy if you're eating spiritual donuts? How can you be healthy if you're eating milk duds all the time? You, you, can't, you can't do it. We need the bread of life. A few years ago, I was feeling very sluggish in the morning. I went to the doctor and the doctor said, Ryan, what are you eating for breakfast? And I said, well, pretty much nothing. Uh, or, or maybe like some sugar or some starch. She was like, that's the problem. She said, eat protein in the morning and it'll get your body going. Every morning you have to eat protein. I started eating protein in the morning. I got out, I felt like a champion. It was awesome. What needed to change? My diet. And one dietary change began to change the way that I felt. I wonder how many changes would begin to take place in our life if we began to eat the bread of life every day. That's what we need. Now, when I'm spiritually satisfied, what happens? Well, I know that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I know that a Christian doesn't feel lonely or shouldn't feel lonely because God's always with us. We have a great comfort in that, don't we? I'm satisfied. You know, uh, people turn their backs on us. People hurt us. Um, People disappoint us. God's always with us. In Jesus, we have security because he'll never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus, we have identity and we have purpose. And, 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 and that brings a great sustenance to us. In Jesus, we know that death, disease, and sickness will have no ultimate claim over us. Those things are temporary in this life, but in the life to come, we will ultimately be healed. So we have comfort in those things. And we build our life around the bread of life the truth of Jesus and what he wants to say to us. And that's why uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you want your life to be filled, hunger for the things of God. Well, I'm not really hungry for God. You know, you get hungry for God when you start chewing on the right things. When you feast on the, the, the milk of the word and the meat of the word. 
and, and you start to eat that, then you start to crave it more. A lot of the favorite foods that we love to eat were acquired tastes. Is that true? How many of you love to eat or drink something, but the first time you had it, you thought, oh, that was awful? Anybody? Yeah. Well, sometimes Jesus is like that. Sometimes you start a little snacking on Jesus a little bit, and you're like, I don't know about that. But then you keep eating, and you're like, no, this is really, this is really something. So I'm starving, and Jesus is my bread. But I'm sick. Jesus is my healer. Look, look, look at this right here. One went out of the field to gather herbs, and he found a wild vine from which he gathered as many wild gourds as his garment would hold. And then he came back and he cut them up into the pot of stew, but they were unaware of what they were. And they served some uh, for the men to eat. But when they ate the stew, they cried out, There's death in the pot, man of God. And they were unable to eat. <laughs> the people got sick. When you eat the wrong thing, you get sick. And so this, one of the sons of the prophets thought, you know, I'm going to help out around here. I'm going to go get some wild gourds. And uh, many people, many biblical commentators believe that wild gourds are like cucumbers. So he went out and he found some cucumbers. And he was like, oh, these look awesome. The pulp and cucumbers around the Mediterranean Sea um, can, can have high amounts of bacteria if you're not careful. So he went out and gathered up the cucumbers, chopped them all up, threw them in the stew, thought that he was going to spice it up a bit. He was going to help everybody out. He was going to make it taste better. I, I want to enhance the prophet's stew with my cu special cucumbers, you know. And instead, everybody's puking their guts up. People are sick. People don't know what to do. Why? Well, they were contaminated because of what they had they had eaten. And they asked Elisha for help. And uh, anytime we try to spice up the word of God, it will always make us sick. Wild cucumbers won't do it. Thinking I can make the meal of Jesus better doesn't work. You know, for 2,000 years, people have tried to reinterpret Jesus. People have tried to add to the Bible. People have tried to um, come up with new ideas about Jesus. And guess what? When we do that, we just become spiritually sick. It just gets everything messed up and confused. There's nothing. Jesus is perfect the way he is. The stew is good. Don't jack the stew. You don't need more gourds. It's good enough. Right? We don't have to spice up our faith. Oh, I got a new revelation. I got, I got, a, I got a new idea about Jesus. No, 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 no. The old, the old Jesus, the original Jesus is the best Jesus. It's the only Jesus. Anything else is another Jesus. I was talking with a guy that grew up in the Mormon faith that was here. He came to church a couple weeks. He was kind of exploring some things and he, he, he said, Pastor Ryan, he goes, I have a question. He said, if, he, go, he goes, do we have salvation by works or do we have salvation by faith? I was like, oh, that's easy. I was like, we have salvation by faith and works prove that we have real faith. So I'm not saved from works, I'm saved for works. And he was like, well, I got a question. Well, then why would anybody ever do anything good 
if they weren't motivated to have salvation by good works. And I said, that's easy. The highest motivation in the world is not a check sheet, it's love. It's grace. And when your heart has been touched by love, you will do 10 times more for the Lord than you will out of obligation. I hope your spiritual life is not just a checklist. If it is, you're eating poison in the pot. The true living word of God is freedom. It's grace. It's mercy. It's love. You will do things for the people in your life that you love, your children, your family, your spouse. You will do things for them you wouldn't even think about doing for other people. Why? Because of love. Love is the great motivator. But poison can get in the pot. We begin to add to the word. We begin to try to spice it up. Well, there's so many different ideas that put, that put us into you know, a state of sickness. And uh, pop culture has a lot of ideas. You know, sometimes the beliefs that we have are just things that our parents told us. And that may be true, but it might not be true. Sometimes we have ideas, well, this is what pop culture says. That may be true. It may not be true. We've got to come back to God's word and see what it says. Because if not, it's like eating the poison in the pot. Um, we have ideas like all religions basically believe the same thing. I can take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Buddha and a little bit of Muhammad and put them in the pot and stir them up. And, mm, that tastes good. But you know what? If you take a little bit of Jesus, you don't have any of Jesus. And by the way, what Jesus and Muhammad said were the opposite. <laughs> Muhammad said you're going to earn the favor of God by keeping the five pillars of Islam. Jesus said salvation comes by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. Two, two totally different systems. Two contradictory things can't be the same. Poison in the pot. What are we eating? What are we feasting on? Sometimes we say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. Is that the truth? Anybody ever made a bad decision and you were as sincere as all get out? I mean, you were, you were all the way. Man, sincerity does not measure what is right or what is true. Forget that. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes we say, the devil made me do it. That's a good one, isn't it? The devil made me do it. Well, you know... The devil is a tempter, that's true. But we have, cho we have choices that we make, right? I mean, there's decisions that we make. Those are our decisions. So the devil didn't make us do it. Here's a great one. Christians love this. God wants me to be happy, so I should fill in the blank. And what we put in the blank is whatever sin that we want to commit, whatever we want to do, that we can tell ourselves, God wants me to be happy, Regardless of what the Ten Commandments say, regardless of the Sermon on the Mount, regardless of what we know is right, God wants me to be happy, so fill in the blank, and I need to do this. Well, these things are poison. They're poison in the pot. And what's amazing is if you, mixed, if you mix good and bad, you don't get good. When you have mixed good and bad in the pot, what do you get? You get bad, right? You get bad. You get poison. And Jesus is referred to in the scripture as the great physician. Jesus heals the sick. Look at this in Matthew chapter 9. 
Verse 12, now when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Jesus says, I came for some sick people. If you're sick today, Jesus came for you. The truth is all of us are sick. Romans 3.23, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sick. We're all plagued. We need a savior. We need the divine physician. We need Jesus to touch our hearts and to heal us and to raise us up. And the problem with the great sin pandemic is that there's death in the pot and we need a savior. So I'm starving. Jesus is the bread of life. I'm sick. Jesus is my healer. Now check this out. I'm saved. That means to be put in right standing with God. Jesus is my Savior. Okay, Jesus is the Savior. Look at this right. 2 2 Kings 4.41. Then Elisha said, get some flour. And he threw it into the pot. And he said, serve it for the people to eat. And there was nothing bad in the pot. Oh, I love that. Did you see that? Elisha worked a miracle. That wasn't Lysol. That was flour. And he grabbed some flour and he put it in the pot. And by the way, the people had to eat it because there was a famine and they were starving. And, you know, what we would have done is thrown it out and cooked something different. They didn't have that luxury. But the flour, the flour cleansed the pot and the people ate and they were blessed. You see, you can be sick and then when you're healed, then you'll be blessed. And by the way, flour makes bread and Jesus is the what? He's the bread of life, right? So he, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is our sustenance. And they ate the flour and the stew, or they had to die. But it says that they ate the stew. Jesus said in John six fifty six, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. And uh, that's why we take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, communion, is eating the, of the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Now, not the physical, the physical body. Our Catholic friends believe that that's literally the body and the blood of Jesus. I think the Bible's clear about that. It's a sign. It's a symbol. But, but Jesus is saying, you got to take all of me, right? You don't take pieces of Jesus. You take all of Jesus or you take none of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, you got to take all of me. you got to take all of me. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, Jesus is saying, you got to go all in, baby. <laughs> you can't have be a half-hearted disciple. You, you can't follow Jesus like at 25%. You got to go all in. You got to go all in. <clears throat> now, we can't stop one another from getting sick, but you know what we can do? We can provide bags of flour to pour on the sickness, and that's the local church. You know why the local church matters so much? Because people are sick. People have been eating the poison in the pot. And we have the flower of life to throw on those situations and those scenarios to help people find hope and healing. And our church is like a big hospital. It really is. We have people at all different levels of healing Some people are still really hurting and struggling. Some people are a little bit more progressed in their faith journey. But the church is a hospital. It's a place of healing for people. And we love broken people. 
We love hurting people at Edge Church because, because that's the mission of Jesus. That's the mission of the great physician. That's the mission of the Savior. That's what we're all about. So when there's poison on the pot, what we want to do is we want to bring the anti-venom for false religion and for hurting people. Jesus' uh, ministry was described here in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. I want to mention this verse too because in terms of the Savior, this, this brings everything home. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Isn't that beautiful? Now you would think that God... In his infinite wisdom, in his holiness, in all of his power and might would be in heaven. And he would look down and go, I can't believe she did that again. What's wrong with him? I told them to stop doing that. And you would think that God would want to distance himself from us because we're frustrating, aren't we? We're complicated. You know, a lot of times if we're honest, we say one thing, we do other things. It's true. So you'd think God would be like, eh, no. What does the scripture say? Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Put that verse back up there. Look at that. Where sin abounded, where there was a lot of struggle, where there was a lot of heartache, where there was a lot of difficulty, where, where there was a lot of brokenness, the grace of God abounded all the more. God says, you know what? She's really hurting. She needs more grace, not less. <laughs> That's why Jesus is such a wonderful Savior. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why we get our spiritual nourishment and strength from the bread of life, Jesus. Because we're, sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So let's stir the pot Let's stir the pot this week in our own lives. Am I feeding on the bread of life? Am I sick? Have I put my faith in Jesus? Have I followed him? Do I understand who Christ is in my life? We have contaminated lives, but mixed with the precious blood of Jesus, the gourds of this world will not prevail against us. Let's pray together for just a moment.